good morning, and welcome to Chillicothe Bible Church. Uh, those of you who are visiting, I'm Pastor Joe, and if you're visiting here with us for the first time, uh, let me extend my special welcome to you. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we're going to be talking this morning about growing in gratitude. Uh, gratitude is one of those things that's kind of hard to get your arms around sometimes, but it is a Christian grace, a Christian virtue that we need to grow in. And if we, because if we're not if we're not thankful, we don't have gratitude for all of the uh, ways, both large and small, that God provides for us and actually express gratitude to him and show him thankfulness, then what we miss, what we miss out on is the big sweep of God's provision for us. And it's in his provision that we see God's grace and his love overflow to us most clearly a lot of times. And so we need to grow in our ability to have gratitude. Uh, we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss seeing God's love for us on a daily basis. And so I'm just going to, we don't have uh, uh, a lot of time this morning, but I want to just uh, wrap up the book of Philippians together with you. Um, and if you've got Philippians there open, uh, we're going to start in uh, down in verse 14, and go to the end of the book, okay? This is our last week in Philippians. Next week, we'll start into Ruth, okay? Uh, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I've received full payment, and even more, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus." To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings, and all the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now, if you look at verse 14, you see that it begins with the word yet. And that is, uh, he's intending to draw a contrast between what he has just been talking about. Last week we saw that what he was talking about was that God had provided for Paul whether things were, uh, were prosperous and rich or whether things were lean and hard, that God was there. And he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That Christ has met all of my needs. He has always provided for me, and I know how to be content whether I have a lot or whether I have, I have a little, because ultimately it comes down to trusting Christ, whatever the circumstances. And, and so he puts this little word yet in there, and he says, yet it was good of you to share <laughs> in my troubles, right? He's in prison. He is in need. And so he's saying, look, now, don't misunderstand. I really appreciate all that you did for me. And just because I am trusting God doesn't mean I don't appreciate the gift that you sent. And in fact, 
this little section right here at the end of the book is, believe it or not, the purpose that Paul wrote Philippians 4. Was to, it's, it's basically an extended thank you note with some uh, commentary at the front um, of how they should live their life. And, and he, he doesn't want to waste the opportunity to communicate with them by just saying thanks for sending me a, a present. He also wants to tell them all these other important things that we've seen. But this little section is the main point and main purpose of the reason that he wrote the letter was to tell them thank you for providing for me in my circumstances which are tough. Thank you. And on verse 15 and 16 here, He's going to remind them that this is not just, this has been an ongoing thing. And he wants to thank them, not just for what they've just recently done, but for the, the, the continual sharing they have done with him and for him all the way back to the earliest days. He says, you remember, as you, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia. Now... If you remember Acts chapter 16, Paul comes from Troas, he comes to Philippi, he has uh, an opportunity to, to share the gospel, Lydia, the seller of purple cloth, comes to Christ, then he and Silas get beat half to death and thrown into a Roman prison, and the Philippian jailer and his family come to faith in Christ. After that, Paul says, hey, by the way, did you guys know I was a Roman citizen? They say, no, 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 we didn't know. They beat him without a trial, and they, they kind of walk him out of the city as quietly as possible. And so he doesn't really get an extended ministry there. He's just got this little handful of people who form the nucleus of the Philippian church. And this is now 15 or 20 years later. And now there's this flourishing church that's there. But from the very first days, when the first Philippians came to faith in Christ, when he went to his next place, guess what they did? They sent a gift. Paul, you have given us the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can we begin to repay you for that? And so they send a gift with him and they've continued to support him in fact he says you were the only church that was supporting me he's out on this missionary journey and he's traveling around and they're the only church this little group of people this little group are the only people that's supporting him and he says thank you it's it's been it's been going on not just now recently but you guys have had a partnership with me since the very first days Thank you. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. And, and that's really the, the first point I want to make, that giving forms a ministry partnership. That as you give and you support a, a ministry or a missionary like, like Dennis and Wendy and their family, or as you give and support this church, that giving forms a ministry partnership that you share in the results of what happens based on the fact that you have made it possible with, with your financial gift. And that's what Paul's talking about. All of the apostolic work that he'd been doing, going along, planting churches, ever since he got there started, they have supported him. And it's now 15 or 20 years later. And they have partnered with him all the way since then. And Paul continues down in 17 and 18. He says... That your gift is not just something that's given to me only. 
but that giving is a form of worship. Look at 17 and 18 here. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. He says this because he, he doesn't want them to think that, well, the reason he's bringing all this stuff about money up is because he's kind of working an angle here, and he's hoping that, hey, I'll praise them for their last gift. Maybe they'll send another one. <laughs> you know, that's not what he's doing. He's saying, look, just let me be clear. I'm not telling you this. I'm not reminding you of this because I am hoping that you will send me another present. He says, I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. He's not talking about finances there. He's talking about their spiritual life. At the, Paul is an apostle, okay? And at the core of his apostolic ministry is a desire to see the people in whom he has invested have some, dem, have some demonstrated spiritual growth and life to them. You know, when you do ministry, what you're looking for is for the people that you are ministering to and with to grow in Christ. And he's, he's calling all this to mind because of what it says about them. He says, look here, I'm not nearly as excited about the gift that you sent as I am about what the gift that you sent says about the state of your heart. And the gift that they have sent is extravagant. We're going to see that in another verse, okay? And so it says about the state of their heart that they are growing, that there is spiritual life that is there, that they hold the things of this life loosely and the things that are of eternal value, like Paul's apostolic ministry, highly. And they lift those things up. And so he's excited about what that says about them and their walk with Christ. He says, I've been looking for what can, can be credited to your account. Their spiritual life, not their, it's not a balance sheet. Are you, and I'm, he says, I'm seeing spiritual life here. Uh, in fact, in verse 18, in case anybody's still confused, he says, look, I've received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. In other words, I don't need anything else, but I'm really concerned about you and your spiritual growth in life. And to the extent that I see your gift and what it represents of your hearts, I'm excited. And then on top of that, he, he goes on and he t tells them something else. He, he calls the, their gift a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, Pleasing to God. Okay, now, now if you're embarrassed to answer this, don't answer, okay? How many of you have actually read Leviticus? <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Um, a lot of times Leviticus is where through the Bible in the year plans go to die. Okay? <laughs> but this is language, and, it's, and, and we think that be, only because we don't understand all that's going on there, and we don't understand the holiness of God in the way you have to approach him, which is what Leviticus teaches, that God is holy, and you have to be holy as you come to him. But this is language, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, a gift pleasing to God. That's language that Paul is borrowing straight out of Leviticus. 
where the Levitical priesthood would teach them about this is what would constitute an acceptable sacrifice to God. And Paul says that when you give a gift to support the ministry of the Spirit and the expansion of the gospel, that it's the same kind of worship that the animal sacrifice represented in the Old Testament. Now, we don't sacrifice an animal anymore. Why? Because Jesus Christ came and he died once for all. That the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin, as Hebrews says, but the once-for-all sacrifice of Christ could and did. And so we don't offer animal sacrifices again anymore, but there is, an, there is a ministry and there is worship involved in making sacrifices. And giving is one way that we do that, that we make a sacrifice that's pleasing to God. Worship, uh, giving is an act of worship, okay? And because Paul knows that a degree of sacrifice is required, I think this is, this is why he has in here verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches, his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. A lot of times, Paul knows us, okay, and he knows them. And a lot of times, when, what we think is this. If I sacrifice to give to support ministry, what will happen to me, <laughs> right? If I, if I give that, then I won't have that. And if I don't have that, how will I live right my life would be poorer without xbox how would i get along you know i mean whatever it is that we're and sometimes it's more serious than that you know lord if i give i don't know where the grocery money is going to come from i don't know how i'm going to put gas in the car i don't know how i'm going to heat the house okay and Paul reminds them that ultimately it's God who supplies every need. He says, "My, he's going to make them a promise. My God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's a good verse to memorize, by the way. If you're looking for some to put in your brain or put in your heart, that, that one is a good one. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Ultimately, it is God who meets our needs. Ultimately, it is not our job that provides for our needs. Ultimately, it is not, if you're a trust fund baby, it is not your trust fund that provides for your needs. Ultimately, it is not your spouse who provides for your needs. If you're married and aren't working outside the home, ultimately, it's God who supplies all your needs. And so we need to look to God to meet our needs, right? And to say to him, Lord, you know what my financial situation is? Hasn't escaped your notice. And I'm depending on you to meet my needs. He who owns the cattle on a thousand hills can certainly part with a few to provide for me, right? Amen. All right. Um... I'm going to move along here. Verse 20. And this is just like Paul. Whenever he says something great and glorious, he goes immediately into prayer. <laughs> and he says, verse 20, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know why he says that? 
it's this. It's because the ultimate purpose of life is the glory and magnification and exaltation and praise of God. And he says, when you see this, essentially, when you see God supply all your needs, it's because God is looking for out for his glory. He is looking to be glorified in your life and my life. And as we trust him, then he is glorified. And as we praise him for his provision, then he is glorified. And so Paul prays that God will be glorified through you and I and through the Philippians and what they're doing. He says, don't worry about where God is going to come up with the money. God is going to provide according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus so that he might be glorified. And then if you, if you look over, and this is really interesting, okay? A lot of times we don't spend a lot of time in these greetings at the end of Paul's letters, but there's a couple things I want you to see out of these greetings. Uh, he says, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Uh, that, there's two things I want you to see there are those greetings. Number one, that Paul, wherever he goes, is always trying to connect groups of believers together. He's always trying to build unity across churches so that where he is in Rome, he's trying to build relationships with the church in Philippi over here. And he's trying to knit them together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And in our day, you know, we have more flavors of church than, we ha than they have at Baskin-Robbins of ice cream, right? Uh, and yet Paul's concern is to knit believers together and to make them recognize the in reality, the unity that is there in reality. And he's binding them together. And Christians, people who follow Jesus and worship God as he is revealed in the scriptures and through Christ, ought to be far more connected than we often are. And so Paul is concerned to connect groups of saints together. And then look at the last group that he mentions. He says, those who are in where? Caesar's household. Now, these are not Caesar's family members, probably. These are probably servants and guards and soldiers that are part of Caesar's palace entourage. Okay? Now, isn't that fascinating? Paul is under house arrest. He is imprisoned in one of Caesar's domains around the city of Rome. And what's Paul been using his time to do? Hey, you got a captive audience. They're chained to me, <laughs> right? <laughs> so he's sharing the gospel. And the gospel's going out throughout Caesar's household, and many of them are coming to Christ. He says, the saints here also send you greetings, especially those from Caesar's house. He's been busy at work sharing the gospel with people who need to hear it, even though they are people who are opposing Paul in everything he's doing. They've got him under arrest. And yet the gospel is not chained. Can God be glorified in tough situations? Yes, he can. Is God being glorified in Paul's life? Yes. Does God want to be glorified in your life? Yes. And then he closes here with a prayer. And this is typical of Paul. He says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 
Amen. And at the beginning of the letter, you'll notice he said grace and peace, and this is a typically Pauline way of saying it, grace and peace to you. In other words, may God's grace come to you. Now he says, may it be with you. In other words, may God's grace remain with you. He is, his prayer is always for God's grace to come and remain with his people because everything in our walk with God is by grace. It begins by grace. It ends by grace. It is sustained by grace all the way through. And so he says, may God's grace be with you. And, you know, he's given them some moral exhortations in the process of this book. And we've seen a bunch of them where he says, do this, do not do this, do these things, do not do these things, right? How do we obey God? By grace. And so he says, may God's grace be with you. Now, as we close here, I just want to give you kind of a little bit of a personal story of God's provision and his grace in my life, okay? So I look back over the course of my life, especially in the years uh, since I graduated from college, what I see is a consistent record of God's provision. I graduated from college uh, in January of 1996 with a degree in history and enough Bible classes to almost make a minor, okay? Now, as you can imagine, the job market for for those kind of degrees are are pretty thin on the ground, okay? Uh, And I prayed, and within two weeks after I graduated college, I had a job at an insurance company. Now, you might not think that's much of a job, but for me, it was God's provision. And, I, and through God's provision and blessing, I continued to get promotions and raises and advance very quickly up through the ranks at that company to where right before I left for seminary, they offered me a job in another state as a manager. Didn't take that one. Because God had already provided for me a different path. Six months after I graduated, I walked down the aisle at our church. And my wife walked down the same aisle and actually said, I do to me, to my everlasting astonishment. Okay. (laughs) This beautiful woman that I loved actually loves me back. God provided her for my life. And she completes me. God provided that. God provided that job that enabled us to, uh, to work and to save money and to pay our bills. And he provided her with one. And she, we were able to sock some money away so that when we went to seminary, we weren't completely destitute, only partially destitute. <laughs> and when we got there, we moved to Dallas having no jobs, a place to live, but we weren't real sure how we were going to operate our life. We had no jobs, we had no family, we had no church, we had no friends. And we uprooted our lives, trusting God that he was going to provide. And within just a couple of weeks after being there, Karen got a job working for Verizon at their corporate headquarters, and she became uh, one of their finance people and accountants there. 
And God provided such that uh, her job was able to pay for me to go to school full time and for all our bills to get paid. And I was on the rocket program, got through my four years of seminary in just over three. And when, and when we needed money at various points through there, the seminary cost us about $12,000 a year. And we had no idea how that was going to get paid for. God provided me with a job building a deck one summer, this huge thing. And we made, I made enough money over that one summer to pay the next semester's tuition. God provided uh, family and friends and people who uh, would send us checks out of the blue sky sometimes, and, and that would cover books or it would cover something else or sometimes groceries. When, we went on a, when, it, when the opportunity came up to go on a mission trip that was going to cost us six grand, of which we had not one single dollar, God not only provided the money, but he provided enough money so that some of the other people who were on our team could also go. Provided more than we needed. When Karen finally, after five years of marriage, conceived and we were ready to have Sarah, God provided me with a job working at the same insurance company at their Dallas office. And that provided for our family uh, until I took my first pastor job in Iowa. And while we were there, God provided for all of our needs. We never went hungry. Our ministry was blessed. We had three more children. At one time, we had an appointment with an infertility specialist. We have four kids. <laughs> okay, obviously that appointment was not needed. It was just God's provision and his timing when the kids would come. And how many we would have. And then when the time came for, I felt God's calling me and Karen recognized it too, to move to a different kind of ministry. Guess what? God provided me with you all. And enabled us to move here. And enabled me to become the pastor. And he has provided over and over over and over. He has always, always, always been faithful. There has never been a time in my life when I have had a need that God did not supply. Not one time. I have never found him to be unfaithful or to lack when I was obedient to do what he called me to do. Not one time. And you know what? I bet the same thing is true for a lot of you. That you can look back over your life, and if you've not done this recently, I encourage you to do it. To look back over your life and see how God has provided and met your need every single time. He has been faithful because he loves you. And I bring all this up... Just to make a couple of points here. Number one, you all are doing some great ministry in this church. And you may not realize it, but you are. 
I have promised the Iwana kids that they can shave my head bald as soon as we hit 100 kids. I fully expect that to happen before Christmas, okay? And so I'm just telling you now so that on the Sunday when I show up looking like a billiard ball, you won't have to all ask why, okay? It wasn't because Karen and I had a fight and she went in after, when I was asleep, okay? Um, <laughs> It's because you all are doing great ministry with those kids. You're doing great ministry with our mops ladies. You're doing great ministry with the women at Women's Bible Study. You're doing great ministry with the men on Wednesday morning. Ben, I hope to see you again. (laughs) Thanks for the plug on that. Um, You're doing great ministry in adult ed and with our children's ministry. You've did great ministry this summer with VBS. You all are doing great ministry. And the reason I mention that is this, that I refuse to believe that God, who has provided all of these opportunities for ministry and has supplied all of you to do it, is going to somehow leave us hanging when it comes for the provision to continue it. I refuse to believe that. And I believe that we need to claim God's promises. And God has made us a promise. Philippians 4.19 God will supply all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Is God lacking in anything? No. He's going to supply all of our needs. Practical terms, if every adult in this room gave 30 bucks a month, more than they're giving now, all of our issues go away. That's about $7.50 a week, two trips to Starbucks, okay? Or one trip if you take your wife, all right? Um, <laughs> okay, practical terms, that's pretty minimal money. Okay, God can supply all of our needs, and he will as we look to him and trust him. I'm convinced that God will supply all our needs, that his will done his way is not going to lack his provision. And finally, this is the last thing I'd just like to say on this as a practical matter, is that we do need to pray and to seek God's face. I mentioned earlier that there's a sign-up sheet right outside that door on your on your right, on that little table. My name's already on the Thursdays in the next couple of weeks. And there's five spaces. If we need to write more in, fine, okay? But I'd like you to join with me, join with our elders in praying and fasting in the next couple of weeks as we come up to our annual meeting. And we have to approve a budget, and we have some other big decisions to make, like about whether or not to um, approve the EFCA revision to the Statement of Faith, whether, which, whether you're going to approve the officers that have been nominated or not. These are all big decisions. And I'd like you to pray and fast with me in the next couple of weeks for these decisions and to seek God's face and to look for his provision of all of our needs. And I believe that we will see it, and I believe we'll have great cause to praise God. Okay? So let's pray, and then we'll take communion together.